This is Casey Hendrickson on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Now, it's been a, I don't know, 10 minutes since we've talked about extra stupid people. So let's go ahead and throw some extra stupid people out there. One of my favorite extra stupid people is Katie Turr over at MSNBC. If you're not familiar with Katie Turr, congratulations. You're new to the program. Appreciate you tuning in for the very first time. Uh, So Katie Turr is, again, an extra special kind of dumb. Now, I don't say this lightly. When I call somebody stupid, I, I don't, I don't, just flippantly throw it out like the left and Nazi or fascist. You generally have to have a long-standing pattern of examples of you being dumb for me to really use that. And Katie Turr is just one of those people, right? How she still has a job in the media, I don't know. Um, I'm assuming it's not because of her professional efforts, though. So um, Ian Michael Strong posted on Twitter, says uh, Trump lawyers show the montage of Democrats inciting violence by telling their supporters to fight like hell. Now, we played a montage about all of this last week. I published a podcast from that show today. So if you subscribe to my podcast, you will see that episode now in in wherever you get my podcast. Um, and again, sorry, I was a little bit late. I, I got way behind on podcasts last week, but I have a new system in place. I think it's going to help a lot. So <clears throat> I again, we went over all of this. If, if the term fight like hell is an impeachable offense because it incites violence, and again, that's the entire premise of the articles of impeachment against Trump this last time, then Democrats are in big, big trouble. In fact, you have Lindsey Graham saying, when Republicans get the majority, I would expect that Kamala Harris is going to be impeached. And I, I posted about this over the uh, over the weekend, and I've talked about this for many, many years. This goes back to my time at KXNT in Las Vegas. So again, for those of you who don't remember, there was a governor there named Jim Gibbons. He's a Republican. And Jim Gibbons, um, he's like an establishment Republican. And Nevada, like Indiana, their Republican Party is not conservative, and they don't like conservatives. They're, they're not happy with conservatives. They, they don't like the Tea Party, the, any of that stuff. And so Jim Gibbons got elected, and he got elected under the promise to not raise taxes, which he promptly did. He raised taxes, but he pretended that he didn't raise taxes, and that was the that was the thing. And so uh, what ended up happening is people wanted him impeached. Okay, he lied to everybody. He did the exact opposite of what he told you he was going to do to get elected, right? He's not the first politician in history to do that. But he didn't do anything that was impeachable. It's not a crime. He's allowed to have whatever policies he wants as long as those policies are within the confines of the law and the Constitution. He's good. Even if you don't like those policies, you can't impeach somebody because they broke a campaign promise. And so I wrote an article at the time. That was just the latest in a long line of of efforts that we have been talking about on the show many, many years. It's like 12 years ago, guys. So like 12 years ago, I wrote an article called Impeachment Chic. And in that, I went over several of these cases, including the the Governor Gibbons case, where I was pointing out that it is now becoming a normalized response to want to impeach or recall somebody simply because they're doing things in office that you don't like. That's not acceptable. 
And But I warned against this. And where are we now? Well, we're at that point where the left is now weaponized impeachment. And so I posted about this over the weekend. I said, congratulations, you've set us down on this very dark path. And when Republicans have control, you're going to see a weaponized impeachment process used against Democrats at some point in time. And your calls that you're being oppressed by those evil Republicans in power are going to fall on deaf ears. Nobody's going to come really to defend you. And that's not really true. There's always going to be some white knight Republicans who want to play the uh, the moral authority card, and we're going to be consistent. And those are the, the people who like to lose um, politics and elections and things of that nature. So it will happen. There'll be a couple of white knights. But at the end of the day, by and large, it's just going to be a bunch of people who go, I don't really care. You were weaponizing impeachment against an innocent man. You did it twice. You weaponized the legal system against political opponents numerous times, going all the way back through the Obama administration, and nobody cared. You actually literally uh, harassed and oppressed the media who wrote articles about you that you didn't like, and you didn't say anything. And when it starts getting used against you at some point in time, like I said, you know, it's, I, you're going to fall on deaf ears. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to care. And it's not that they support the tactics being used. It's just that they're not going to come to the defense of people who support the use of those tactics against them. Why should they? Because they think they're going to convert you? It's not going to happen. You can't be converted. You're a tribalist. So, Ian Miles Shong posted the montage of Democrats using the exact same phrase that Democrats now say is an incitement of violence. Now, of course... After Democrats said all of those things, we actually had violence all over. So then Katie Turr, in her brilliance, Katie Turr then posts, this is at 12.55 p.m. in the afternoon. So it's not like this is like a late night. I've had several glasses of wine, Katie Turr. This is a wide awake Katie Turr. Did an insurrection happen after all these calls to fight from Dems? One, what happened at the Capitol is not an insurrection by definition. So let's stop playing the word games here. But the other thing is, is yes, violence happened after that. A lot of violence. Millions of dollars in damage. Entire cities decimated. Entire neighborhoods burned to the ground. Businesses ceasing to exist. Other businesses who barely survived packing up, leaving town, moving to other states. People being killed, people being beaten, journalists and reporters being targeted and beaten. How naive do you have to be in the U.S. media? This tells you how completely clueless they really are. That Katie Turr actually, I believe, folks, I believe that she is genuinely in the dark about this. I think that's just the bubble that she and everybody else around her lives in. She's, uh, she's at NBC, by the way, MSNBC, I think. But um, they don't even acknowledge. There's a, I forget what the psychological term is. I'm sure that somebody in the, the Discord server uh, will, will pop it up here on the live stream. But uh, there's a, a psychological term for when you lie and then you believe your own lie. You lie so much, your lie that you created actually becomes the truth, even in your own mind. You start to believe your own lie. You gerbil yourself. That's where the media is, a large swath of it anyway. And Katie Turr exists right in the middle of that. That she honestly has no idea 
that the media and politicians have been inciting violence in this country for a number of years. Uh, Dunning-Kruger, that might be it, Alex. Uh, Dunning-Kruger might be, might be it. Start believing your own lie. They should just call it the Goebbels effect. But it's a, it's a, it's a real condition where you just you lie so much and you have to be so convincing in your lie to win debates and things like that that you end up believing your own lie even though you fabricated it out of thin air. That's that's Katie Turr. That is Don Lemon. That is um, Chris Cuomo, who still isn't covering his brother, by the way. Isn't that weird? That um, Mr. Cuomo over at CNN is not covering his brother who got caught red-handed killing old people. As I've said before, you start to, you have to ask yourself something. Why is it that Michigan, New York, and Pennsylvania intentionally went against what the experts were saying, intentionally went against the CDC's official recommendations, intentionally went against the World Health Organization's recommendations, intentionally defied any and all logic why did they go against all of that to put senior citizens who are infected with the virus in nursing homes in the case of michigan they put young people infected with the virus in nursing homes one of which ended up being a sociopath racist who ran around attacking elderly white people and beating them on camera why why did they do that because it's not naive in the case of gretchen whitmer in michigan she actually had the the wherewithal to lie about it and say it wasn't her who did it and then we found the emails that proved it was her who did it but she lied about it for for several weeks until she got caught why do you think they did that and i know that some people think that i'm going out on a limb here i get it you think that the tinfoil hats come out but you start looking at those states new york pennsylvania michigan They've got a pretty substantial senior citizen financial burden in those states. And you just start to wonder. At some point, you have to come up with some kind of a a theory as to why they did it, right? They knew they weren't supposed to do it. They knew it was dangerous. What was the point of of doing it? And I suppose you're, you're down to, what, two things? You really hate old people. Or hey, there's an opportunity for us to save a lot of cash long-term, which will help us in other funding endeavors in the state. Suddenly, less senior citizens, less budget shortfalls for senior citizens. There, and again, I don't have any actual definitive evidence that that was the motivation behind it. But I think the question has to be asked. If you can't come up with another plausible solution as to why they defied all logic and all medical advice from the experts and did this was it really because they were that stupid or was it intentional and if it was intentional what was the motivation behind that intent and the most logical one that i can come up with is budgetary reasons Which is why I've told you over the next couple of years, I really want you to pay attention to how the Social Security, the Medicare and the Medicaid debate starts formulating in this country, because there has been a huge monetary issue with that for a long time now, and it's never been resolved. And all of a sudden, well, we've got a lot of elderly people who have lost their lives. People will no longer be a part of the financial burden is COVID in the, the 
the ways that Pennsylvania, New York, and Michigan decided to handle it, was that essentially a death panel? There's a big part of me that wonders. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I love it when a plan comes together. So just this last break, went upstairs, brewed myself a cup of coffee. It is, of course, Casey's Burning Brew. And I come back downstairs with my cup of coffee, got a spring in my step, super excited about it, right? Made an extra large cup of coffee because I'm just really craving it. And Joe tells me it's time to do my Tacoa read. And I'm just thrilled by it. Uh, I Here's the thing. I know that people say that their coffee is the best. Everybody's got to market their coffee and everything else. Um, look, I've had premium coffee subscriptions in the past, many of them, including from some of the companies that all of you are very, very familiar with. And they make good coffee, don't get me wrong. But I canceled all those those subscriptions. And the reason that I canceled all those subscriptions is because I just get my own coffee delivered to my house. It's better than the other ones, consistently. And you've got two varieties to choose from. I keep Casey's Burn and Brew. I get the one-pound bags, and I burn through them. And I usually get Casey's Dark Side Brew. That is my extra dark roast coffee. I get that usually in an espresso blend. Uh, or a French press blend, depending on what I'm feeling like. And that's where I use my pour over. That's my treat. My dark roast is my treat. Casey's Burn and Brew, my medium roast coffee is my daily go-to. That's just what I'll have in the morning. It's what I'll have in the afternoon, sometimes at night. But when I'm really craving coffee time, I get Casey's Dark Side Brew and I put it in my pour over. I put it in my French press and I really just sit back and I enjoy it. If you love coffee, there is no better maker of coffee locally than Tacoa Coffee, period. You go to TacoaCoffee.com. You can get my coffee. You can get a bag of my coffee. You can get it ground up any way that you want. You can get a different size bag. You can have my coffee delivered to your house every single month so you never run out of my coffee. Or you can get any of the other high-end premium varieties that Tacoa Coffee offers. And I'm telling you right now, their coffee, even the stuff that's not mine, is amazing. And if you have a business like a cafe, a restaurant, maybe a donut shop, and you're looking for a unique blend of coffee to make for your customers, I saw an article uh, this over the weekend that there's a lot of new bakeries in town are making punchkis. What if you had your own coffee that you could that your customers could not get anywhere else in the entire world it's just yours go to tacoacoffee.com and they will work with you to make your own roasts just like they did with me tacoacoffee.com slash casey the roast to pick up my coffee casey's burning brew casey's dark side brew or pick up any of their other premium brands or work with them to create your own unique blend for you your business and your customers tacoacoffee.com all right we have plenty more to discuss and to talk about uh, 430 we're going to talk about a tennessee law that is actually going to come to the aid of fathers long overdue in the meantime uh, we'll get to joe biden's anti-gun stuff here a little bit later and continue to embarrass our uh, fake republican friends who say that nobody's coming for your guns Uh, But there's an ammo producer out there, and I've wanted to talk about this for a while, but I didn't get to it on Friday. Phoenix Ammunition. This is an ammo company in Michigan, for you Michigan listeners out there, 
They decided recently to stop selling their product to people who voted for Joe Biden. <laughs> There's a whole lot of leftists who own firearms now, right? That all happened with the, uh, the pandemic and the rioting and everything else. Bunch of anti-gun people became pro-gun people. But Phoenix Ammo in Michigan basically said, if you voted for Usurper Joe, you're not getting any ammo from us. Now, obviously, enforcing this is a little bit difficult, but getting a liberal to, to lie and say that they supported President Trump also tends to cause a vein to pop in their forehead and their eyeballs. So it's, it's a little difficult for rabid leftists to hide who they are. As a way to weed out the unwanted customers, the company reportedly inserted a questionnaire into its purchasing process that asked whether prospective customers voted for Biden in the presidential election. If they did, no sale for them. You can't get upset. You can't get upset, ladies and gentlemen. A business has a right to refuse service, right? So you keep telling us about these bait, these, uh, well, I, I should actually, no, that's the opposite. Never mind. I, I forget. Uh, we're talking about the bakeries and the, the photo places, but I had it backwards because I haven't had enough coffee yet. So I got to work on my coffee. So anyway, um, Phoenix Ammunition. We've had a few potential customers call this morning to ask why they have to check a box stating they did not vote for Joe Biden in order to purchase our ammo. First question, are we serious? Yes, we are serious. Joe Biden ran on a campaign built on the most radical gun control platform a major party candidate has ever had. All true. Including banning the online sale of ammunition. Essentially, a plan to bankrupt our company. Now, why would you sell to people who are okay with voting for somebody who would put your business out of business? Well, why would you why would you sell to them? It's a great point. We don't want your money, and you shouldn't want us to have it because we're going to use it to make more ammo, sell it to the citizenry, and do everything in our power to prevent Joe Biden's administration from usurping the rights of Americans. We have no problem talking to Biden voters and educating them on what they did, but they have to be willing to acknowledge their ignorance at the very least. We're not going to sit here and debate with you. We're a 2A company, and these are our first principles. Yes just going to take a moment uh phoenix ammunition in michigan bravo bravo uh, wholeheartedly wholeheartedly support your efforts and if you're looking for somebody to endorse your ammo i'm your guy got more coming up news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel So apparently if you go to the Phoenix Ammo website, it makes you actually say if you voted for Biden to enter into the website. And of course, like everybody else, they're sold out of a bunch of calibers. So um, if you are if you are looking for Phoenix Ammo in Michigan, I mean, good luck. <laughs> it's uh, ammo is just hard to come by. I mean, look, to, to be fair, OK, I told you to learn how to reload for like three years straight. And I gave you a high quality place to go learn to reload and to get your reloading supplies. And had you all listened to me, right? Had you all listened to me, you wouldn't be out of ammo right now. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. Had you listened to me, you would not be without ammo right now. Just throwing that out, okay? <laughs> Hashtag told ya. 
All right, we are broadcasting on DLive.tv slash Casey the Host. So go to DLive.tv slash Casey the Host where you can actually see what I'm talking about today. I've, I've got my browser up here and you can see what's going on on my screen. We, we talk, um, you can talk with, you know, a bunch of other listeners and everything else. Um, for those of you who have signed up to the newsletter, um, this is a little bit of an extra aside here before we get into this Tennessee law that's going to allow fathers to veto abortions. Interesting stuff. The newsletter is growing by leaps and bounds. Thank you so much for that. But it actually has grown so fast. The last two newsletter hosting services that we have used, we have had to move on from, including the one that I just went with two weeks ago. So I went with one two weeks ago and we and I signed up and I'm like, I'm not going to get to this for you know another eight, nine months at least. And we got there in two weeks for subscribers. So again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really do appreciate that. Sign up for the newsletter. It's free. Go to theburningtruth.us, theburningtruth.us. And uh, it's really easy to find now. I did some updates on that over the weekend. So what we did is we implemented an internal newsletter system. This is now self-hosted on my website. I can actually send directly from posts and that sort of thing. So it's a much easier way to handle it. And now all of you who are part of the newsletter system are more easily absorbed into the uh, content and sent your uh, newsletters. So daily show prep, again, going to go out almost every single day and you can get that delivered right to your inbox along with other posts that are relevant. So this Tennessee law would allow fathers to attempt to veto abortions. I've been saying for a very, very long time, this is something that needs to happen. And there, look, you have, without getting into all of the hypocrisies about the abortion culture in our country, at the end of the day, you've got two people who chose not to use protection, who engaged in the activity that makes a baby, and a baby comes from it. And I'm sorry, but if the the man is is considered equally responsible, then the man should have equal say in what ends up happening with said child. Uh, that's if he can be reached, right? Because we know that sometimes the uh, the father is <clears throat> is not notified of anything. But there are times, lots and lots of times, and I played you this heartbreaking audio, I think it was last year, of a father outside of an abortion clinic screaming and crying as his girlfriend was inside getting an abortion, begging her to not do it and to give him custody. And... Um, if you want men to take fatherhood seriously in this country, you're going to have to take them seriously as fathers. In this country right now, fathers are disposable and meaningless, even though all of the research says the exact opposite. It's the, the people who don't have a father in the home that end up in prison. It's the people who don't have a father in a home who end up um, pregnant out of wedlock. It's people without a father in the home who end up pregnant in their teens and dropping out of school. So we already know the impact of fathers are tremendous. They're massive. Um, they have long-ranging positive consequences and negative consequences when they're not in the home on children as they develop and grow. And if we're going to have two people who engage in this consensual, consensual behavior, and I will throw that out there, consensual, because there's always going to be somebody, what if she was raped? All right, I'll give you that, okay? It almost never happens, so there's no reason to argue it. I'll give you that. If she's raped, she gets to make the decision. There you go. 
Okay, I know some of you don't like that. You know, what? get over it. You want to lose? You want to lose the debate? You want more babies dead or less babies dead? Because if you want more babies dead, you keep saying that that's not an acceptable compromise because you're going to get more babies dead. If you want less babies dead, accept that as a compromise because it almost never happens. Now, beyond that, beyond that, if he is expected to be equally responsible for all of the medical costs of the pregnancy, the medical costs of an abortion, and then, of course, equally responsible, sometimes predominantly responsible financially uh, for the rest of that child's life, then he should at least have the option of saying, let her sign over her parental rights. I will take full custody once the child is born, and I will contribute or cover the medical expenses throughout the pregnancy. Give him the option. At that point, at that point, her complaint becomes, I don't want to go through the discomfort of being pregnant. I don't want my body to be changed because of the pregnancy. Well, again, you should have thought of that. You know, it's always, it's always interesting that when a man doesn't want to pay child support, um, people always say, well, you should have thought about that. Why can't we say that about women? Nothing wrong with that. If somebody wants the child to live and wants to raise that child, the father, why shouldn't he be given the opportunity? There, there's Nobody's ever presented a legitimate argument against that. I've been asking for years. Nobody has presented an argument against that. It comes down to platitudes and nebulous arguments that don't mean anything. But this is a proposed law in Tennessee would allow a man to attempt to veto abortions in cases where the prospectively abortive woman is pregnant with his child. The law proposes a pair of bills in the state house in Tennessee and the Senate would permit a person to petition a court with jurisdiction over domestic relation matters to request an injunction in order to prohibit a woman who is pregnant with the person's unborn child from obtaining an abortion. The court shall issue an injunction, the law stipulates, so long as the petitioner is the biological father of the respondent's unborn child. And we're at a point now, scientifically, where we can test this and it's not that difficult to do. I realized in the past that was a tough thing to do. It's not anymore. It's easy. And that there is reasonable probability that the mother will seek an abortion prior to giving birth to the unborn child. Notably, fathers who petition for such injunctions do not have to provide DNA evidence in order to establish their paternity. I don't see a problem with that. There's some women out there going, well, that's not right. Well, you know, I don't see a problem with it because women don't have to provide DNA evidence of him being the father. Now, if she wants, if somebody who's not the biological father is trying to stop a woman that he knows from having an abortion by saying he's the biological father, all she has to do is request the DNA. And then his case is thrown out. So this is a very easy process for her to overcome with somebody who's trying to interject themselves into her life. This is long overdue. This is 100% long overdue. And if we are going to, in any way, shape, or form, become a, a moral society again and start doing the right thing, allow a father to be a father, even if the mom doesn't want to be a mom. Now, again, when, when stuff like this happens, it's if she wants the abortion, he wants to stop it, he's got to accept sole custody. And that means you don't get any child support from her. 
But then, of course, you could always make the argument the other way, too. That if she doesn't want an abortion and he does, maybe he shouldn't have to pay child support, right? And I know a bunch of you, bunch of you are immediately aghast at that. But I'm just thinking about this from a a legally consistent perspective, not a moral one. Obviously, I believe that if you are responsible for the pregnancy, um, then you share equally in the the outcome of the pregnancy. Um, but I'm just saying, if we're going to get into a philosophical, legally consistent argument here, then that would that would be fair play. So if we're in a situation where this is my theory, what I've I've you know proposed for many many years on the show. If we're going to get in a situation where the woman does not want to keep the child, but the father does, then the father's got to be be able and be willing to help through the process of the pregnancy and has to get sole custody of the kid afterwards and cannot come back to her for child support. I think that's a worthy compromise. Is it still going to be hypocritical in the law? Yeah, absolutely it will. But you know what? I think a lot of dads will take that. I think a lot of dads will take that hypocrisy that she can just opt out of being a mom in order to save their kid. And I think a lot of dads would be proud and happy to do that. So Tennessee, good on you. I don't expect it to pass, but boy, I sure hope it does. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Got to tell you about All Natural CBD Lotion from allnaturalcbd.org. One of the questions I get a lot, some people, everybody's you know new coming to the show and they hear me talk about the CBD and, and they're like, hey, can I get that locally or do I have to order it online? You can get it locally. You can go to any local e-cig works and you can pick up this CBD lotion, the tincture drops, the vape, whatever you want to do, they have that at local e-cig works. And yes, my promo code works at every local shop as well. Now, occasionally there's a new employee who doesn't know about it. Just ask for the manager and they'll be able to take care of the discount code for you. So again, allnaturalcbd.org, promo code KC10 to save 10%. Real easy. I'm the guy sending you there. You want to save 10%, KC10. And again, this this lotion is phenomenal. It comes in 250, 500, and 1,000 milligram strength. This is full-spectrum CBD. There's a lot of places trying to sell you inferior CBD that's not full-spectrum. Don't buy into that. Get full-spectrum CBD. I recommend just go with the 1,000 milligrams, folks. It Trust me, it works. It's safe. It's not going to affect you in any negative way. Go ahead and pick this stuff up. It works phenomenally and it works really quick that's the big thing you take a pill it might work might not work it takes an hour sometimes longer for it to actually start to kick in this cbd is topical and it works right away usually for me it's within three minutes or so go to allnaturalcbd.org promo code kc10 uh, one of the videos that i uploaded to my rumble youtube and odyssey at casey the host today was last week we told you that we ended up learning that Officer Sicknick, who is the Capitol Police officer who died uh, at the Capitol, did not die from blunt force trauma. He was not killed by somebody hitting him with a fire uh, fire extinguisher. That didn't happen. Uh, that's what the media was reporting. 
but it didn't happen. The medical examiner report came out. The best guess as to what happened is he had some kind of a reaction to one of the chemical irritants that was used during the the uh, fiasco at the Capitol. We don't know if that would be one that came from the uh, the mob or one that came from law enforcement. Remember, law enforcement kicked off the the uh, less lethal chemical use. But that's what the going theory is, according to the medical examiners. He had a reaction to that. But for weeks, the story was he was beaten to death. And it didn't happen. There was no blunt force trauma. Well, the New York Times has finally retracted the Sicknick story. In a quiet but stunning correction, the New York Times backed away from its original report that Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick was killed by a Trump supporter wielding a fire extinguisher during the January 6th melee at the Capitol building. Shortly after, American Greatness published uh, the column on Friday that showed how the Times gradually was backpedaling on his January 8th bombshell. The paper posted this caveat, update, new information has emerged regarding the death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick that questions the initial cause of his death provided by officials close to the Capitol Police. And again, the Capitol Police never said that he was killed from blunt force trauma, but anonymous sources again anonymous sources made that claim and for weeks we were operating under the premise that he was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher and it didn't happen there was no blunt force trauma he was not beaten at all during the riot at the capitol he still died there's still some culpability there but at the same time the story as to why was completely false more coming up